Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello and welcome to Mojo Sports, the NRL show, season two, episode 41. My name is Dan Frost, and as always, I'm supported by the best panel in the business. And tonight, we've got a full house. We've got Dana, we've got Mickey, we've got Dee, and we've got Coz. And we are very excited to be talking all things rugby league. But before we get too carried away, let's jump into the warm-up. And the one, and the two, and the one, two, three. Why you not understand? Bishop wore buttless chaps to the bat mitzvah. Have a great broadcast. You too, darling. You know, team, we, we almost have like a no-talking policy before we hit record because there's just so much gold that's spoken off-air that we want to make sure our listeners get an opportunity to to hear. So that's the whole idea behind the warm-up. And this week, what else are we going to do? We are going to dive into some reactions and reflect on Origin Game 2. And that's my question for you today in the warm-up is where was Origin Game 2 won or lost? Uh, yeah, a bit of a split crowd tonight with Queensland and New South Wales. Dana, going to start with you. Oh, I don't know where you want me to start. I'd really like Ashley Klein fired first off. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, that uh, sin beyond Kafusi was completely uncalled for. It was completely different uh, infringements. It was not the same action, but it is what it is. Um, you know, it's that's the hard part is, you know, that sin bin in origin is such a detrimental thing because you're then defending, especially against New South Wales, um, you're defending to fill in a gap. So they did obviously tie themselves out that little bit um, to fill that gap and then obviously Penrith just went through and took took the whole thing because Nathan Cleary had the ball. Um, I think the only redeeming factor is um, Jerome Luai just dropped it like four times. I think yeah. if, if he didn't uh, have as many errors as he did, it would have been a lot worse than it was. So and, thanks. <laughs> and Danny, had a Freudian sleep calling New South Wales Penrith, but I think they are, you know, it's, it's basically. That's exactly the, what they are. <laughs> the, 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 Penrith, the Penrith Blues, that's for sure. Uh, that seemed to be more brutal. Uh, let's bring in a Blues supporter, uh, Scarf, uh, you know, hanging around. Local WA, uh, D, you were there. You, you were amongst it. Um, give us a bit of a feel for, you know, what it was like uh, having Origin there in WA. And then, uh, yeah, talk to us about the game. It was unbelievable, I have to say. The atmosphere was so electric. Um, all the personalities came out to to really dive in and really support Rugby League. Everyone showed up. And um, even, like, my husband running down to the merch store last minute because he was too hot and his blues jumper to go and grab a, a jersey and there was nothing, nothing. All he could get was a $40 blues top t-shirt. There was no beanies. There was no caps. There was nothing you could get in there. Um, the merch stores around the ground sold out. They really, really craved rugby league out here. And to have a performance like that in a venue like that, you know, the most expensive yet best stadium in Australia, good old Optus Stadium, um, it, it was magnificent. I have to say it was loud. Yeah, it was so loud. I have to, I uh, have to get some Mojo Sports merchandise selling there uh, next time around. That's for sure. Uh, Cause, what about yourself? You know, you've had a very interesting um, last little period. You know, obviously been involved in the Queensland camp. You know, talk to us a little bit about that, and then your reflections on the game. Bit, a bit of a tough one. Well, yeah, I was more in the women's camp, so down in Chile, Canberra, but. What a terrible weekend for Queensland rep teams. All four went down, which, man, don't want to talk about that. But 
In terms of Perth, I think I very much support them having an NRL team, but never again shall they host Origin because yeah. <laughs> it's really bad for Queensland. Um, but I think, yeah, in terms, and I also agree, the Simbin, whatever the merits of that were, whatever people think, um, but any time that a, a team is down by a player when it's played at that intensity, of course, it's going to affect their quality and the outcome of the yeah. game. So um, it is what it is. But New South Wales did play better and, you know, they, they used their opportunity. So can't wait for the decider up in Suncorp. Yeah, it's going, to be, it's going to be a cracker. But, yeah, if they keep having origin in Perth, they're going to have to start to relocate the Broncos and the Cowboys to start to kind of acclimatise some of these players because they just – completely shit the bed every time they go to WA. Uh, Mickey, um, you know, you're pretty happy. You've got a big smile on your face there. Yeah. Uh, talk to us about your reflections on the night. Where was the game won for New South Wales or lost for Queensland? Yeah. I think where it was like sort of won and lost was I feel like New South Wales shut down um, the key playmakers from Queensland. Like Cam Munster had a bit of a quieter game compared to game one. Um, obviously he did like score a try and stuff. But other than that, I was, I was like, thinking back to the game and I was like, was he even there? (laughs) Um, But even just like, I think the kick pressure from New South Wales was like pretty unreal. Like Burton's bombs were hectic last night. So I definitely think that was just like a bit of a shock, especially for young Cobbo and um, Talangai um, on the wings there. They seem to struggle with the catching of those bombs. So. Yeah, in particular Murray. He's going to be waking up in cold sweats after that sort of performance. That was absolutely brutal by Burton. Uh, look, for me, yeah, look, it was pretty interesting. I, I thought, you know, sometimes we, we, we tend to overcomplicate it. You know, New South Wales was clearly more desperate, and that, that was pretty um, that was pretty obvious uh, from the get-go. I, I also thought that the compounding errors for Queensland, you know, they just – they just made things worse and worse and worse. So they would drop a ball, they'd give away a penalty, someone would go into the sim bin. It, was, it, it just became a, a bit of a horror show, to be honest. And it, I don't think it was really reflective um, of, you know, what Queensland's able to produce. So, you know, I'm just a little bit nervous about Game 3 because, to be honest, it's setting up for Queensland. They're going to go up there and, you know, we, we know the narrative. No one's going to think, they're, they're, you know, they're a chance. And, um, you know, I, I think they're going to turn that turn that performance around. It'll be really interesting to see um, if Cotter can get fit and healthy for that game as well because I think he'll be a big part of it. Um, and I think the refereeing will change again. I felt like it went way too far over to New South Wales. Uh, you know, the 10 metres was 15 metres. There was way too much, um, uh, you know, I, I don't like over-officiating in origin and I just felt like they were ruck-obsessed because of all the media coverage. So hopefully the referees can stay out of it, let the boys figure it out, and um, I think we're going to see a much closer contest for the decider. I'm just going to quickly chime in, and every listener will know because uh, there is no stress more high than a game three showdown of state of origin. And um, I'm just prepared to not sleep for the next three weeks. So it's, it, let's go. It's going to be so good. And, and I mean, yeah, regardless of whether you're a Blues fan or Queensland, uh, to have the decider there, it's going to be pretty special. And we can't wait to cover it here at Mojo Sports. All right, team, let's jump into our first segment for tonight. All ball. Every franchise has had tons of great players and legendary personalities, but who stands out above the rest? Is Cameron Smith, this outstanding leader. Thurston, he hits it, he's got it! He's got the field goal! Andrew John, inside for Elba. You just knew something special was going to happen. 
I'm always late on that button, guys. I'm going to have to work on that one. Welcome to our All Ball segment, one of our best. Uh, we're going to continue with our Legends series. And this week, we have a pretty special player uh, that we are going to feature, and that is the great uh, William uh, Slater, Billy Slater um, team. Let, let's well, we'll throw it straight over to Coz, our, our Queenslander, to talk a little bit about Billy. But... You know, cause yeah, take you know, take us all the way back to some of your earlier memories of Billy, because you know it's it's easy to reflect on him as the out and out champion um, towards the back end end of his career, but it certainly wasn't the, the case at the start of his career. Talk to us a little bit about your earliest memories of Billy. I think uh, I, I don't remember watching him play the early days, but just you know the story about him um, you know, coming from Innisfail, driving his car all the way down, having a crack with uh, North Devils, and being part of. You know, sort of at the the Q Cup comp at the time, that's what it was called. And just, um, but I think he's he always just had that drive. Like I think when you see his NRL career and just the determination he had, just um, and what most people talk about when they talk about Billy Slater is just um, you know how hard he worked and he was you know first one there, last one to leave type thing. Um, I think and that when you have a bit of talent as well and you work that hard, you're always going to rise to the top. So I think. Um, was always destined to be a great player, but it, it wasn't. It wasn't easy. Um, yeah, I, I just yeah, he's one of the best to have ever done it, and I think um, he's just an inspiration for a lot of other players too. We've we've spoken about the fullback position before, and I think he's one that sort of evolved it into a different different style of playing. A revolutionised might be a bit of a big word, but um, definitely he's changed the way a lot of fullbacks play just just with his ability and what he was able to do on the field. Yeah, D, D, it's pretty interesting when you reflect on Billy because, you know, I, I've just got a lot of love for him, uh, you know, and I say that as a New South Wales fan and someone who was, I'm a Knights fan, so he absolutely tortured me every time he uh, wore that Melbourne Storm jersey. But, you know, this undersized kid who, you know, obviously, um, you know, he, he obviously had the jockey background, like, it, you know, it, it was unbelievable in terms of his backstory, but... You know, I, I think a lot of praise gets given to Craig Bellamy and that system in, in, in Melbourne. But, you know, I'm with Coz. I, I just, you know, Billy wouldn't have been able to achieve half of the things that he achieved in his career had it have not been for his determination and, and the work that he put in. Talk to us a little bit about your observations of uh, Billy over the years because uh, I'm sure he tormented you a fair bit as well. 100%, like everybody <laughs> feels, especially a New South Welshman. You hated every time Billy Slater was caught up on the origin side. Um, but he's, we talked about this uh, a few weeks ago about the evolution of the fullback position. And you can't, you can't talk about that without thinking of Billy Slater. You can't, you know, stop and, and think of the, just the way that he played. It was the way that he carried himself. You're right. He, he did come under Craig Bellamy, who's an impressive coach. We know who that is. I apologize if you hear the squeaking. That's my um, my lab just up my feet. <laughs> Sorry, right. um, he's obviously excited about that too. And what a trader! We don't want to like the least later that much, but um, he's you know he's a beast, and you can see that in the way that he's evolved in um, from his playing career and, and going into the whole process of the high performance side of sport, and now obviously going into coaching. Um, there's something that he brings into into this game um, that's just second to none. Yeah, and, I, and 
fuck saying those words. <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, I, I think he's uh, he's just a perfectionist. You know, here's a guy who probably makes his bed better than anyone in Australia just because he's an absolute perfectionist at everything he does. Dana, let's have a little bit of a look at his CV because it is incredible. Probably something we're not going to see, um, you know, 323 games for your beloved Melbourne Storm, 31 games for Queensland, 30 tests for Australia. Um, you know, we'll get to his coaching um, at the moment. But, you know, obviously multiple, multiple premierships, depending on the ones that we were taken away. I mean, he's got plenty of rings, um, you know, two Clive Churchill medals and all of those victories for Queensland as well. Dana, I mean, when you talk about a player who who did everything in the game, that was Billy Slater. Yeah, I mean, obviously as a Melbourne girl, like Billy Slater has a special place in my heart. But I definitely think that he he gets obviously overlooked when you've got Cameron Smith to kind of compare to. Um, but I think, you know, in his later years, it was so interesting just to see how well he still played. And I, I, like, I don't want to call him old, but, you know, he played for 15-odd years kind of thing. So you've still got, you know, there's age in there, but in that age there is there's wisdom and there's uh, experience and there's, you know, those little little tidbits and things that you know that all these young players that are coming through at the moment don't know. And it's just that it's again, comes down to experience, but um, you know, he's just, I was at the 2017 grand final against the Cowboys, which was the last game. Um, I was ready. Like I was going to retire. So that was a very special moment because that was when the three, three big boys were all leaving. But you know, it's, I just you can't talk negatively about him, and it's actually so good to hear um, Dee talk positively about <laughs> a Queenslander and a Melbourne Storm. I'm surprised she could say it without choking or throwing up. Um, so, especially as a, as a as a manly fan, as a manly like, supporter as well. Fans. I'm so proud of you. And I, and I think you know, for Slater, there's so many players who. I guess, finish their career with regrets, you know what I mean? Like whether injuries forced upon them, but I really felt like Billy Slater was able to kind of finish, you know, his career the way that he wanted to. And uh, yeah, no, an unbelievable player. You know, the other thing I'd say about Billy Slater as well is, you know, obviously the intellectual side of the game, you know, we're starting to see that a little bit now as you, you know, learn more about him, um, you know, when he was working in the media and now as Queensland coach, um, his knowledge of rugby league is just unrivaled. And it just goes to show just how much tape and study that he was putting in week after week, you know, for all of those years, it really is incredible. Um, you know, there's very few players uh, in the competition that can do that. You know, I, I think we went through a period of time where there was a lot of players who, you know, they, they wouldn't even watch other games. You know, Billy Slater was absolutely obsessed with rugby league and will certainly go down as one of the all-time greats. All right, team, how we finish off all ball, our legend series, is we ask the question, um, you know, is this player a Hall of Famer? Uh, potentially are they a, uh, in that sort of immortal discussion as well? This is going to be a bit of an interesting one. Uh, Mickey, again, a bit of a youngster amongst the crew, but uh, looking at his CV and your reflections, um, yeah, Hall of Fame and immortal. What, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, definitely. He's Of course he's going to be in, like, the Hall of Fame um, possibly the immortal status, like what he's done for the game, as you were saying, like second to none, changed the way that fullbacks play. And every like I feel like a lot of young fullbacks would look up to him as well. So, um, yeah, he'd definitely be up there for that. Yeah, absolutely. Dana, I know your answer, but, uh, <laughs> you know, plead your case here, Hall of Fame and immortal status for Slater. 
Uh, a 110% Hall of Fame without a doubt. Um, and, like, as I don't want to be biased, but I think I, I would say with what he's done for the game, he's bordering that immortal. But I think depending on how this coaching goes with Queensland, if he kind of can put a reputation to himself um, or even, you know, help progress these new younger kids that are coming through, I think that that could push him into that immortal status up there with his best mate. So, I'm excited to see what he does. Yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be very, very interesting, D. Oh, look, I'm going to be super controversial. If you look at him by on his own merit, take um, big old Cameron out of there, and I would consider him an immortal, and that's solely on the fact that he's completely revo- revolutionised that position. Yeah, okay, excellent, and cause. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, I don't know, I think because he got so used to his his excellence, it was kind of boring and we kind of forget how good he was type thing. So I just looked at the the individual honours and it's like this long. He, he really, how many grand finals he won, Clive Churchill's um, player of the series for Origin, um, Dally M, fullback of the year, like all this stuff. I, yeah, I think... Um, with a, with a bit of benefit of hindsight and we, and we remember actually he was pretty amazing during his career. I think he's an immortal. And, yes, I am pretty biased as well. But <laughs> Hang on. We can't Here's forget Melbourne, Melbourne Storm team of the decade. He got the fullback position in 2007, which is also the coolest thing Another accolade. Dana, I don't think his trophy cabinet really needed that particular little plaque that, that he's got there. But, uh yeah, look, for me, it's going to be interesting. A Hall of Fame, of course. Our mortal status, yeah. Look, I, I I, think there's going to be a little bit of a gap with the immortals. Um, I, you know, I don't think any, anyone's going to go in for a, for a period of time, and then we're going to see a batch of them. There's a there's a Cam Smith, there's a Billy Slater, and there's a few others that I, that I would like to see go through. So, you know, depending on what that looks like, Billy might have to wait his time a little bit, but he'll eventually get there, in my opinion, an out-and-out legend uh, of our game. All right, team, let's move through to our next segment for tonight, the match. The most anticipated match in history, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Let's get ready to rumble! All right, team, this week on the match, we continue our Battle of the Legends series, and this week we're headed to, well, the West Tigers out to Western Sydney, and uh, (laughs) they're constantly in the media mostly through uh, leaks, you know. I, I feel like every part of their business is on display uh, in the news. Um, so it's a very interesting club, but um, definitely got to be respectful of some of the legends that have been a part of this club because they've had some out-and-out stars um, over the years. So this week we're pairing up none other than Chris Lawrence uh, coming up against the great Brett, uh, Brett Hodgson. Um, yeah, two yeah, legends of that club. Because... Uh, Going to give you first crack at this. It's always difficult to pick a winner here. Um, you know, Chris had an incredible career, as did Brett. But, um, yeah, talk to us about these two, and then, uh, yeah, let, let's hear your selection. I think for me, because the Tigers weren't really my club, so I'm going to be suffering from recency bias, and therefore Chris Lawrence is who I would pick as probably the most notable of these Tigers players. I think, um, well, well, these days he's probably more famous for being Emma Lawrence's brother. But um, exactly right, yeah. <laughs> just his, at the end of the, his career, I think um, the resilience from his injuries, he had some horrific ones and that, especially um, like 
the random mishap at training to actually have your face broken and to come back from that, um, have face plates put in and to, to go, you know what, I still want to play this game. I want to come back. Did good for you. And he did it. So I think, um, and then the fact he's played, what, 250 games plus. Um, so obviously he is good at what he did. And, and being a one-club player as well, I, I do like that. Whereas Brett um, Hodgson, I know that he was good, but all I can remember as a Queensland fan and also it's, it's <laughs> come back because of the song is him getting lassoed by Talis. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but obviously Hodgson won uh, premiership with um, with the Tigers against the Cows. So, again, I, I might hold that against him because I, I do quite like the Cowboys. But um, for me, I, I think it's Chris Lawrence. Just he seems like such a reliable player um, and one that you could always count on. And if, you know, one of those players that if, you know, that's a player at your club, you just liked knowing that he was there and he was going to get the job done. Yeah, hard to disagree. And just be careful to our listeners, uh, Google imaging that injury to Chris Lawrence. That that was absolutely horrific. So, uh, yeah, do that at your own at your own peril. Uh, D, thoughts on this one? Um, yeah, Chris Lawrence coming up against Brett. Um, you know, Brett, obviously, you know, he, he also moved into coaching as well. But talk to us about these two and um, your selection. Look, um, Brett Hodgson is a huge name. I know him more so from the coaching perspective um, as compared to his playing career, but um, I can only, like Cos, speak a lot more about Chris Lawrence. Um, going to uni down there at MacArthur, um, I had a few friends who played in the same circles as, as Chris Lawrence, so we got to go to a few Tigers games as, you know, he was leading up the charge and, you're, like, he just – he was a great player. He still is a great player. Like you said, one club player. He's one of those guys that you just sort of you want to go and give him a big clap for just staying loyal through all of the bullshit that the Tigers have gone through um, in his time. But, um, yeah, Chris Lawrence is just one of those names we always knew um, well before Emma. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, it's a good call on uh, on that one there because, you know, I do believe that, you know, when, he's, when he was younger, Chris Lawrence, I'm sure there was a – a big juicy contract offer from a top club that he's probably knocked back to stay loyal at the Tigers. So, uh, yeah, very, very impressive. Uh, Mickey, thoughts on this one? Obviously, you know, Brett played, you know, his full career there at fullback, um, you know, you know, five foot nine, 80 kilos, like he was a smaller frame player. But, you know, again, you talk about football IQ. He was absolutely brilliant, um, played for quite a few clubs, had a very impressive, um, you know, stint over in the UK as well. And then, yeah, obviously, you know, we, 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 we know what Chris achieved there at the club. So, yeah, thoughts on this one? Uh, yeah, Chris or Brett? Yeah, um, I think, I don't know, for me, maybe Chris Lawrence because I don't really remember Brett Hodgson. He like finished up NRL in Australia anyway in 2008 and I was probably like maybe almost eight years old when that happened. So it's sort of like before my remembering time. (laughs) Um, But my brother's a West Tigers fan and I always like just sort of remember him talking about Chris Lawrence and how he just loved him and he was quite sad when he had to retire. Um, and things like that. But, yeah, I was also going to mention that face injury. I read, like, a comment. They likened it to him being in a car accident. So definitely really horrific and so brave and, again, courageous to come come back from that and to finish his career. And one club players, I don't know. I just – I 
I think they're just something, something, something else. They're something special. Um, definitely shows that loyalty. And um, I don't know. I always just love a one club player. So yeah, no, that's uh, that, that definitely uh, definitely makes sense. Well, look for me. Um, yeah, looking at Brett, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of memories about his play. I, I think he was underestimated a fair bit, so he was able to kind of put on a few uh, pretty impressive displays. Um, you know, throughout throughout his time. Um, you know, I felt like he was really safe under the high ball, um, you know, and was a real, you know, he, he was the type of player that, that everyone loved to play with. Um, you know, he was great in the locker room, a great leader, and you can see that by, you know, his career move now moving into coaching. So, you know, someone who was an out-and-out first grader, um, you know, and, you know, ha- had some had some pretty impressive moments as well. Played six games for New South Wales when he was at the peak of his powers. Um, you know, flipping that over to Chris Lawrence, yeah, I'm gonna, look, I'm going to have to go with Chris as well. Um very talented youngster, you know, he's, when I think of schoolboy talents uh, in rugby league, I often think about Chris because, you know, I, I don't know how old he was when he's debuted. It must've been about 17, but yeah, 17 and, and 283 days old, uh, you know, breaking the record to be the youngest Tigers player to debut. But he just felt like a first-grade player from the age of 17. Um, and what was also interesting was his ability to shift positions as he got a little bit older. So when, when he lost a little bit of pace, um, he was able to make that shift. And that's not – that's, you know, that, that's easier said than done. So, um, yeah, shout-out to Chris Lawrence. Um, you know, very consistent and, uh, you know, very great player there for the Tigers. All right, Dana, you get the last call on this one. Uh, Lawrence Hodgson, who gets the win here? I think what's interesting is like like a lot of players, they play their sin in NRL and then they go over to the UK, whether it's for a couple of years and then come back to NRL or they stay over there and kind of get more success over there. Um, obviously, Brett went and did that um, after pottering between Parramatta and then to the Tigers before he headed off. And I think it's, again, he did two clubs over there before coming back. And I think a lot of people will go over there and then I feel like sometimes they're forgotten about because – they disappeared overseas and not a lot of NRL supporters watch any Super League or any rugby that's outside of Australia. Um, So in that retrospect, I kind of feel bad for him, but the fact that he's now moved into coaching as well, it still doesn't um, take away from anything that he's accomplished. But I think just what blows my mind is you see all these young guns coming through now at like 21, 22, and they're just peak of their game. Like you just, you watch them and you're like, how can they be so good, so young? But researching about Chris Lawrence and seeing all the accolades that he had before he was even 21, as someone who's 26, I've never felt so <laughs> old in my entire life and under-accomplished that I have done nothing when he had done so much by my age. Um, but, yeah, I just – it's between the two of them. Um, I think I I understand Brett and what he's done and how he's – formed a career out of it and he's definitely got himself to where he has at a high level but I can't stray away from one club players they are my favorite people in the entire world because you know that it's not just a money grab or because we all we all see people do it they'll go for a season or two and then retire kind of thing um but yeah I just I'm gonna have to go with Chris because he's so young and he's just 
yeah, one clubs I just can't go past. Yeah, no, I, I love that. Yeah, between Chris Lawrence dominating at the age of seventeen and then Mickey uh, making making me feel very old. It's uh, no, but there we go. A bit of a um, yeah, obviously high praise there for Chris Lawrence. And um, again, like I say, with a lot of these clubs, uh, West Tigers on on the hunt for their next Chris Lawrence and their next Brett Hodgson. That's for sure. All right, team, let's move into our final segment for tonight. Rapid fire. And hey, we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is singing closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. All right, team, let's continue on in rapid fire with our repair shop series. Now, I'm not exactly that mechanical, so bear with me, but there's a few of these teams we're featuring that need a lot of TLC. Uh, you know, that is, you know, let, let, let's rip the motor out. Let's let's do a complete rebuild. Uh, the team I'm talking about is the New Zealand Warriors, uh, and that's the task that we've got tonight. Just quickly in rapid fire, what repairs should be made to the New Zealand Warriors? Going to quickly go around the grounds rapid fire and get everyone's opinions on this one. Mickey, uh, you know, we, we suddenly hand you the reins, the keys to the kingdom. How do we fix the Warriors, my friend? Um, well, I obviously, like, I feel like they're coaching, um, which is obviously going to happen. Um, I think they just need someone who is more dedicated. I feel like, um, yeah, having someone dedicated and maybe, I don't know, a New Zealander. Um, to come in and coach will uh, benefit them when they go back. So yeah, yeah, no, no, it's 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 a hot topic at the moment in terms of who will get the Warriors gig, and um, you know, someone with a little bit more sort of, you know, uh, in touch with um, you know, New Zealand culture, I, I think is a pretty good shout. Uh, D thoughts on this one? Look, the Warriors, we, we can't sugarcoat it, my friend. They've been an absolute mess, and it's a shame. You know, we've got an entire country, we've got the most talented players on earth. What is doing? How do we fix this club? Look, you can't just, you know, spit some glitter on a turd and make it look pretty, and that's the problem here with with the Warriors. And um, speaking with someone who's married to a Kiwi who sits there and watches, you know, Warriors matches with the rest of his brethren and, and they get upset. And, and I asked them this question, um, literally asked them today and sent out a few SMSs, and what came back was just overhaul. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the, the bit that's missing and what you can see, and this is obviously just from watching people right here in Perth who are massive Kiwi supporters of the, war- of the Warriors, is they're losing that pride, that sense of pride in the jersey. And they're the only rugby league team in New Zealand. Defi- you think that, oh, behind closed doors, administration need to obviously wake up. Um, something's got to give. Um, and maybe some big heads need to roll, but they just need to bring some pride back, bring in a Kiwi coach, um, and start to build that culture back up. Yeah, look, for me, uh, you know, I think the COVID situation and relocating the Warriors has, you know, th- there were, you know, don't get me wrong, there were problems at the club prior to that, but it has absolutely destroyed this club over the last couple of years. And what I mean is it's destroyed the pathway. So in New Zealand, on the ground, rugby league is in an absolute battle with rugby union in terms of attracting talent. And at the moment, that's a that's a battle that we're significantly losing and it's very, very disappointing. So, you know, the, the, the two or three years that New Zealand haven't been based there, um, you know, it's just damaged the pathway. So for me, I say this with a lot of clubs that are at the very bottom because I don't think it's going to be a quick, you know, sign this guy, sign that guy, um, and things are going to be turned around. It's the pathways. It's bringing through 
Look, in, in the Warriors situation, it's not a matter of bringing four, five, six juniors through. It's a matter of bringing 15 or 20 through because that is absolutely possible. They have to stop other NRL teams poaching their best kids and they also need to get down in the trenches and battle it out with Rugby Union and try and hold on to some of their best talent. Um, yes, it's not going to be a quick fix, but the Warriors should be winning premierships. I just... Um, it is an absolute dilemma, and I hope um, you know someone obviously arrives quickly and is able to um, get it corrected. Uh, Cos, thoughts on this one? Again, there's a lot of frustration in the room, but we only want to see the best for the Warriors. Yeah, I love the Warriors, and I'll always apologise for them. And I think you know the fact that they they did have to come here and make the competition continue for two years. I, I don't think we can really put enough um, emphasis on that. It really was a huge thing that they did for the rest of us who are fans of the NRL. Um, In saying that, I'm so happy that they get to go home. I'm so happy that the first game is sold out. I'm happy that the Kiwis um, played on the weekend and that was sold out. So that means there's still huge support, hopefully, while most of them might have been Tonga supporters, in in New Zealand for the team. And I think um, also... They do have goodwill around them, so people do like to see them do well. They just have to to do it. There's a lot of stuff. I could talk about the Warriors because I feel very passionately about them. I think they need to decide what they want um, Sean Johnson to do because he's not the same player that he was, but I think the criticism he gets is unwarranted as well. Um, It's it's a two-edged sword there. I think the fact that they do have people that want to be involved with the club and and know that it's based in New Zealand and therefore will go to New Zealand and play in New Zealand, be based in New Zealand is good because I cannot believe the players and the and the staff that decided, oh, I oh, New Zealand is in New Zealand. That was ridiculous. Um and yes, but I, I think the fact that they get to go home and um actually, like you said, build those pathways again and have Kiwi kids wanting to play for a Kiwi team, um, it's gonna be a long haul type thing, but I believe in them and I hope there's a really bright future ahead for the the Warriors. Yeah, no, exactly right. And and it's like, you know, jump on seek today, all our Australian listeners, and apply for a job in Auckland and then call up the company and tell them you don't want to relocate to Auckland. I mean, it's just I, I think guys, that's a brilliant point. It's uh, mind blowing what happens there to that club. Dana, come on, this is our second favourite team for a lot of people. Everyone wants to see the Warriors um, take that next step. Doesn't help when your mob's putting seventy points on them. By the way, I'll just quickly uh, put in there. But uh, yeah, how do we? How do we? How do the Warriors bounce back? Hey, in the end, yeah, this is a competition, so there's only so much we can do. Um, now, as as much as like I love like New Zealand and I love the Warriors with my entire heart and all of my being. But in the nicest way possible, you need to rip it to shreds and start again. And that's not just coaching staff. That is players. That is positions. That is admin. That is everyone in back of house. Trainers, you need, I think they just need to rip it back, strip it to the bare minimum and start that build from pretty much nothing as if you are re-entering a competition as a brand new side. Because to be honest, at this rate, after the two years they've had and then some, that's what they need. Um, I think that gives in, it puts in fresh faces. It gives you, it's more motivation. People that share the same attitude, people that, you know, are going to have that same connection with the club, whether it's having more New Zealanders than internationals, whether it's, you know, putting a culture aspect or a multicultural aspect back into it, having more Pacific Nations people in there, like something that is going to give 
a, a sense of family or a connection or something that's going to help these guys become a team because rugby league is not a single person sport. You can't just have Sean Johnson and Reese Walsh running around doing the best thing, doing what they want to do. Like there's 12 other people you have to consider. You that can't doesn't... just focus on the two people that look good and make money and people know. So whether, yeah, I just think the whole thing needs to, you start with the coach, fantastic, but the rest of it, strip it all back. Entire club needs a rebuild. Um, and then hopefully they can kind of, like you said, building up the feeder teams, kind of promoting NRL or rugby league to New Zealand. Obviously it is in competition with rugby union, but it is just as good as rugby union and it's just as good of a sport and companionship and all of that in between. And I just think that's what frustrates me the most is it's just an inconsistency. So I think, again, you put all that together and literally everything that we've all said, they could build something that could be great. They just need to find the right people to do the job. Yeah. So if anyone from New Zealand is listening, I am willing to move to work for you. Yeah, there we go. And we do realise the job would be in New Zealand. So I, I think, you know. We, yes, I would that. love to find uh, me a New Zealand boyfriend. So <laughs> I'm willing to move. Um, no, that's exactly right. And look, you know, the All Blacks are in town. They've shown that they can kind of dominate the entire world in rugby. So, um, you know, the blueprint is there, that's for sure. But um, anyway, let's uh, hope the uh, Warriors can have a better season next year. Uh, and over the next few years, they can get themselves uh, sorted. All right, team, that's all the time we have tonight. just want to thank my amazing panel, always bringing the heat as we talk all things rugby league. And to our listeners, we really do appreciate uh, your support. How can you continue to support us? It's pretty simple. Uh, Simply download the podcast, share with family and friends. Thank you for choosing Mojo. And until next time, we'll catch you later. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.